Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Christian Redshaw. Christian, uh, A, how are you doing? And B, who is our guest today? A, great, thanks for asking. And B, our guest is the Business Development Manager of Cybersecurity at TELUS, and his name is Peter DiPaolo. So I'm looking forward to really getting into the nitty-gritty nuts and bolts of cybersecurity and why it matters. Awesome. So sticking with the theme, A, we're going to pause, and B, we're going to bring Peter in. So please stay tuned. TELUS has been partnering with Canadian organizations to support their cybersecurity needs for over 20 years. As a cybersecurity leader and national telecommunications service provider, TELUS is well positioned in the industry to offer a unique perspective on the security threats and trends that businesses face today. TELUS, cybersecurity that works for you. We would like to thank TELUS for being an amazing sponsor of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. All right, Peter DiPaolo, all the way from Burlington, Ontario. Welcome to Cybersecurity Matters. Thanks for having me. First of all, I have to note that you're a man after my heart and my hairstyle as well. So I really feel, <laughs> I feel more uh, more comfortable with a guest that looks more more suited to to my preferred uh, my preferred uh, yeah. appearance. I, I have a feeling that you and I have the same barber. That's right. Yeah, we're looking in the mirror at the barber every day, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, so we want to get into some. <clears throat> juicy cybersecurity topics today, but I'd like to just get to know you a little bit uh, personally, uh, at least at least the career side of things. Um, how did you get initially involved in cybersecurity? Did you always do cybersecurity for a career or uh, is it something you transitioned into? Yeah, so I actually transitioned into it. So I've been in information technology for my entire career, but um, okay. it was approximately 10 years ago that I made actually a conscious choice to specialize in cybersecurity. Um, I chose to do that because personally, I found it to be the most fascinating aspect of information technology. Um, and along with that fact, it was a space that was growing and evolving. Uh, but when I look back, uh, the cyber threat landscape looked very different uh, in the early 2010s than from how it looks today. And it would have been almost impossible to anticipate that it would morph into what we face today in terms of the frequency of attacks using tactics like ransomware. Peter, you, 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 you mentioned ransomware there, and, and um, I'd love to learn more about your thoughts and insight here in terms of how ransomware is really affecting the small and mid-sized businesses across Canada right now. Um, it's almost, I think you mentioned uh, in, in the green room, where it's sort of like a, almost like a silent epidemic of sorts. It's just, it's just running amok in the SMB community. Um, I wonder if you can uh, explain to our viewers and listeners so why the ransomware is A, so prevalent and B, why it is such a threat to Canadian SMBs? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a great question. So um, kind of in order to understand where we are today with it, we want to look back in time a little bit in terms of the evolution of ransomware. So traditionally, 
when you look at the overall need for cybersecurity going back, you know, more than 10 years ago, 10 to 20 years ago, it was mostly solving a problem faced by governments and large enterprises. And for the most part, um, you know, the, the attacks were after specific pieces of data like intellectual property, financial assets, credit card numbers, or maybe healthcare information. Um, there were not a lot of attacks against small and medium businesses back then because they were not an attractive target, frankly. Um, from my perspective, um, that began to change noticeably in and around 2016. Um, so at that time, you know, the attack pattern called ransomware began to creep into public consciousness. Um, some of the initial strains that began to garner mainstream attention were things like Lopi or TeslaCrypt. Um, you may remember them. Um, that style of attack signaled a major shift in that it gave criminals, cyber criminals, the ability to monetize their attack against virtually any size business. Um, assuming that they set the value of the ransom to a level that was appropriate for the size of the business that they were targeting. So, for example, the money that they could successfully extract from a single doctor's office, for example, um, would be significantly different than the money that they could extract from maybe the National Health Service of the UK or Canada, right? Those are the kinds of attacks that were going on then. Um, but in addition to this, the malicious actors understood the fact that there was virtually no chance of facing retribution or justice for their crime because the resources to police cyberspace were simply not well-funded or developed, right? So 2016, 2017, 2018, year after year, this business model became um, more lucrative, more easy, more automated, um, and more and more you know, potential cyber criminals um, jumped on the bandwagon and the business grew very quickly. So fast forward to today, you know, the term ransomware is, is a common term. It's understood by pretty much everybody in the business world. Um, we know there, there are many known ransomware gangs out there. They go by different names. Um, we understand the type of attacks that they perpetrate. We understand a little bit about their reputation. Um, and there are even reports that some of these gangs run almost as legitimate businesses in some parts of the world, right? People head off to their nine to five office job uh, with the focus of launching these attacks and then come home and play the, with their kids and their family. Um, so, you know, in today's landscape, ransomware has become unfortunately a very common occurrence um, that Canadian businesses have to deal with, right? Um, so, you know, Taking that into account, um, if we look at how um, this translates into small and medium businesses today, you know, most of Canada is an SMB economy, right? And most businesses in Canada fall into this category. Um, all you've got to do is do a quick Google search on some of the ransomware attacks that were in the Canadian news in the last few months. And um, many municipalities will come up, Whistler, BC, St. John, New Brunswick, some of the um, local services of Montreal and Vancouver. Um, but, you know, we want to keep in mind that most of the attacks that we hear about are from these news outlets are connected to public sector services. Um, you know, municipalities, transit authorities, hospitals. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the attacks that are being reported is representative of all of the attacks or even the majority of the attacks that are occurring out there. 
And that's where the small and medium enterprises come in. Absolutely. No, great uh, wisdom and insight there, Peter. I want to ask you one more quick question before uh, hanging the mic back to, to Christian. Um, in, in your experience, what you've seen with with with, with um, you know, prospects or clients that, that tell us deals with uh, with, with cybersecurity, um, is there a bit of a survivorship bias when it comes to ransomware? Is, is ransomware a wake up moment for SMBs that get hit by it, or is it like someone who has a massive heart attack and doesn't change their lifestyle and they just keep eating Cheetos and Burger King uh, for for lunch and dinner uh, uh, every day, day in day out? Do, do you see the, uh, enough organizations, if they survive ransomware, making conscientious changes to improve their cyber resiliency? Um, that's a great question, and it it often depends quite a bit on the severity of the, t- of the attack and the level of business disruption that they experienced, right? Because not all attacks are the same. Some are more sophisticated than others. Um, some can be um, uh, can be evaded just through um, backups. Um, and when that's the case, there's um, more likely the chance that they feel that they can get around these cyber attacks um, if they were going to be hit in the future. Um, but I do also very often speak to clients um, either when they've been hit or after they've been hit. And the hit was serious enough, um, you know, both from a monetary hit and from, you know, from the disruption of the business uh, that, you know, kind of the following budget year, they're putting in multiple layers of cyber defense. So, um, so we kind of see both, both pieces um, but what I generally see for the most part, no matter which um, side they're on, they're not prepared for it. They don't know how to handle it. Um, generally, it'll disrupt their business for sort of longer than necessary. They'll need to call an incident responder. Um, you know, and keep in mind when they're hit, there still aren't mechanisms in place um, through public policing services to respond to cybercrime. And that's not a fault of the police services. They simply just don't have the resources to handle cybercrime in the same way that they're set up to handle physical crime, right? So a lot of the crime goes, goes unreported, um, and people don't realize how much of it is occurring. Um, just one other interesting fact, one other interesting trend that I've seen in the marketplace uh, in the threat landscape today, um, you really don't even have to be the primary victim of the attack to land in the news. And I'll give you an example. Um, just last week, both Canada Post and the RCMP surfaced in the Canadian news because their data was compromised. But the important point here is that neither of those organizations were the primary victim of the attack. Um, in both cases, the attack was launched against a business partner or some affiliate organization. Um, and it's a trend that is starting to drive larger enterprises to ask questions about the cybersecurity posture of their smaller suppliers. And I see a lot of that in the marketplace. Smaller companies will come to us and say, um, we've got this questionnaire, you know, we don't really understand it. Can you help us figure out what they're asking or, or put the right things in place so that we can continue to do business with these folks? So, um, you know, it's it's interesting, and, and the attacks just continue to evolve and become more sophisticated. Yeah, you really touched there on uh, vendor risk management and the reason why I think a lot of small and mid-sized companies do security in the first place, or one, one of the reasons being, you know, being able to attract uh, the larger clients or, or retain them as clients. Uh, I think that's, a, that's a, an increasingly 
bigger factor. Um, just just switching gears a little bit in terms of, you know, getting the cybersecurity message out there and you know being able to do what you do at Telus uh, for your clients. I mean, the reality of it is you're probably not going to get to speak to every single small or medium-sized organization in Canada. Uh, it would be really nice if you could get in front of them. Um, in an imaginary world uh, when, where you, know, you could actually get into the uh, boardroom or get in front of all of the um, you know, business leaders and executive leadership of these organizations, uh, what would be your message to them if you, could, if you could be invited in? How would you introduce the topic of cybersecurity to maybe um, the, the, the unconverted or the yet to, yet to understand uh, how big of an issue cyber uh, risks are? Yeah, so I mean, some of the things that uh, that I try to do to help people understand when I do speak with them is um, I might take them through sort of what an incident looks like, right, and and describe um, the pain and anxiety and cost of an incident, right? It's organizations um, hit the panic button, right? They'll they'll come in maybe on the Tuesday morning after a long weekend and realize that key files are encrypted and their business is not going to run today. Um, and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to start. Um, you know, so it, it, I try to introduce the, the idea that they should start thinking about these things, right? Um, you know, 10 years ago, cybersecurity for small businesses and medium businesses, if they had a, a firewall and an antivirus, um, that was probably good enough. And they might do a little bit of uh, security awareness training. Um, but today, it's the attacks are much more prevalent. They're more sophisticated, and they need more controls, right? So there are a number of um, frameworks and, and publications that have come out from governments and organizations like NIST and CIS20, et cetera, that help um, people to understand um, when they're a small and medium enterprise what kind of steps they should take and what things they should think about in order to protect themselves and and reduce their risk, right? And really some of the key things are, you know, train your people, um, help them to understand how to spot uh, a fish um, or a potentially malicious email and run simulated phishing attacks, right? Um, you know, again, 10 years ago, people might've brought everybody into the lunchroom and said, this is what a fish looks like. And it may have been somewhat effective, but now there's very effective means to do it. You can run simulated phishing attacks. You can help them to, you can understand what level your organization is at and help them to progress by targeted training through software as a service. Um, they should understand their attack surface uh, and they should test it like the perimeter, right? So anybody that's trying to get in, um, how easy is it going to be to get in? So doing a penetration test or uh, vulnerability assessment is very helpful, right? Um, and basics like making sure you know patching is turned on, and you know all of the net, all the devices on your network, right? Um, you know, two-factor authentication is becoming more prevalent. We see that with you know even with Google and and O365 and services like that. You know that's becoming very important. Um, and then you know I would say probably most importantly use services that create visibility and monitoring inside your network, right? Inside the perimeter, because it's well understood in the cybersecurity circles that, um, you know, the perimeter, the firewalls and other things that you put in place will stop 
most of the, the attacks, right? Like 99% of them, but it's organic. The attacks evolve, new patching has to occur. People might click a fish, a bad, a bad link on a fish. People do get in. And, and so it's important now to have the monitoring and the visibility inside your network on a 24 by 7 basis, um, you know, with the ability to contain a potential attack or find the indicators of compromise before the attack is launched, right? Um, so those are some of the basics that um, I try to help organizations to understand. Um, and I know it's, uh, you know, it's a step-by-step process. You can't um, all of a sudden, you know, put up a, a massive cybersecurity multi-layer practice. Um, but the basics today are very different than they were 10 years ago. And I try to help people realize that. This, this is my last question, Peter, before I pass it back to Dominic. Um, and that's very well said, uh, by the way. Um, so is there any, are there any industries that you're finding have really come a long way, uh, let's say from the last 10 years, and especially in recent months and years where you're seeing an encouraging turnaround of, of the industries that you work with? Um, is, there, is there one that stands out in particular as doing uh, a, a better job than they used to? I would say that they're all coming along quite a bit. Um, and, and then I would also say that it really depends on, um, you know, the, the kind of attacks that they've experienced um, and the kind of assets that they're protecting, right? So, um, you know, I would say, for example, law practices um, early on realized that um, a cyber attack could be catastrophic to their organization because of the nature of their business, right? So even though they're smaller businesses, they do handle significant financial assets, but almost all of their you know, intellectual property um, is the key to their business. Um, so they have always been ahead of the game. They've had um, stronger cybersecurity postures um, than most industries. Um, you know, and then if you look at something like uh, healthcare, um, healthcare has always been quite a target um, because it's a difficult thing to put additional controls, for example, into a hospital, because you're always choosing between, you know, um, putting in a cybersecurity control or funding more beds, right? So what do you do? Um, but, you know, they are making strides because um, attackers realized that they could get into those, uh, you know, that type of an organization a little more easily. Um, and so they're making strides. And then you know, even industries that you wouldn't normally expect, right? Like I work with a number of um, logistics firms, right? Trucking companies and other things. And, and it was surprising to me in the last few years, the number of attacks against that industry, because it just isn't one that comes to mind um, to the forefront when you think about IT or security. But there are a number of them that, that have unfortunately experienced attacks and, and are, are doing the the work to to build that strong cybersecurity posture so that it doesn't happen again. Peter, I, I, this has just been an absolutely um, enlightening conversation, and uh, I know I can speak safely for, for Christian as well. Like, like uh, the amount of insight and wisdom you, you shared today with with us, and I know our our viewers and listeners are just going to be absolutely taking a ton of notes based on on, on on what you share with us today. We're very very grateful for you taking time of your schedule to, to to spend time with us today. Thank you again for such an awesome awesome uh, show, awesome insight. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. It was a real pleasure, and, uh, and I thank you for having me on the show.
we look forward to having you on again uh, sometime in, in the future as well. And Krish and I will take a brief pause here and we'll come back to wrap up today's episode. Christian, what a powerfully engaging conversation. I think Peter just uh, had so many great insights around ransomware and the cyber threats facing the Canadian small businesses. Um, very curious to what you took away from today's episode. Well, there are many things that I took away. There's a couple of points that I think I'll fuse together here, which is just the rationale for how to speak to business leaders that, you know, maybe cybersecurity is not on their radar, they don't know how to approach it, and why is cybersecurity even important? Uh, Peter was talking about the pain and the anxiety, uh, the uncertainty and the costs of going through a data breach a, or a cyber attack. Um, that's a rough spot for people to be in, and he walks through that with people. Um, so that, that is uh, definitely good rationale for paying attention to the subject uh, and reaching out to somebody like Peter uh, for assistance. Uh, the other part of it is that most data breaches and cyber attacks go unreported. So we see the bigger companies in the news, uh, the big names, uh, but maybe the less sensational ones, the smaller organizations, medium-sized organizations um, that are going out of business or almost going out of business uh, are not really newsworthy content, but we still need to know that these attacks are happening all the time. Yeah, fa fantastic recap on a fantastic episode. I uh, very much want to thank uh, uh, Peter for uh, being on today's show. Um, absolutely brilliant conversation. And I want to make sure that we uh, always extend a special thanks to our loyal listeners and viewers uh, for spending time out of their week uh, with us. Uh, please be sure to check uh, previous episodes on the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page, as well as previous episodes on your uh, preferred podcasting platform. Until next time, be well, be safe. We look forward to entertaining you yet again on a future Cybersecurity Matters podcast show.